continuing in our practice today. We've been really inviting, encouraging and supporting a, a settling and a, a landing as fully and as deeply as we're able into our experience, into what's actually happening right here in our bodies, our hearts, our minds. And using the sense of the body, the felt experience of our body sitting here. Breathing, both the more obvious aspects of the posture and contact with the ground and upright, and the more subtle experience of breathing and the ripple and flow of movement and sensation in the body as a place to return, as a place to come home to. And this can be incredibly helpful and useful to cultivate and to continue to develop. And it takes time and patience and dedication. But over time we notice we are more able to be present. We can connect for a little longer or we notice a little more quickly that we've wandered off somewhere. And no need to measure or evaluate that process here. But what we also notice very clearly is the other experiences taking place. The sound of the birds. The arising of sensations in our body elsewhere that don't seem connected with the breathing. These are two important fields of experience to explore. When sounds arise, just to let them come, to be heard. Notice where we start to move away from the experience of the sound to thinking about it. And there's just the sound of one of our companions coughing and it's like, it's a sound, it's like that. Then, oh, I hope they're okay, or, oh, I hope they don't infect me, or, oh, you know, gosh, maybe there's going to be a pandemic this year, and, you know, maybe I should buy some shares in that um, drug company, you know, and quickly our mind just goes, whoomph, and it's gone, or, oh my gosh, what about those poor people in so-and-so where they don't have any medicine, and, oh, we feel our heart. And all that is natural human responsiveness. And yet we can just come and notice, oh, here am I, that was a sound. Someone coughed. Or the birds, we hear the sound of the birds and it's like, oh, it's a sound. Maybe we like it. Maybe we don't like it. Just notice it's a sound, not, oh, oh it's those rooks again. Are they rooks or are they crows? Maybe they're right, oh, what, you know, I can never figure out about birds. Gosh, I heard that bird the other day, didn't know what it was. And again, da 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 and before we know it, I heard a bird like that when I was walking with my teenage sweetheart down that lane and we're filled with this beautiful reverie. And then we remember how that particular relationship ended up and we're feeling miserable and depressed. And we just didn't hear the sound and recognize it's a sound. We, it made, it became something. And in fact, any experience can create that process or can be the root of that process for us. Can be a sound, can be a sensation, can be an image, can be a feeling or even another thought that we then react to. 
And sometimes we realize, look where I am. Oh my gosh, I'm here. And we might see exactly how we got here. Because we can see, I thought this, I thought that, I thought the other thing. And then, oh, it started with a twinge in my knee and it ended up with me in a hospital bed in my mind. And it's a complete fabrication. Oh, other times I just, here am I in a hospital bed feeling terrified and it's like, I don't know how I got here, literally. Ah, oh, huh, okay. Well, actually I'm not in a hospital bed, although Guy House might sometimes feel a little bit like some kind of a, you know, a health-related uh, institution, hopefully. A place for some healing. And we just, ah, oh, okay. Here I am. Whether or not we can see and track the process, it's okay. We just know where we are. With sounds, oh, sometimes we like them, we call them music. Hmm. I wish those birds would keep singing that sweet song. It's really good for my meditation. Sometimes we call it noise. I wish they'd shut up. That's really noisy and obnoxious croaking sounds. Gah, you know, That's interfering. I can't meditate while they're making that noise. And we see how we give things power over our experience and our life. Huh? That's no, a sound. I like it. Sure, I'm allowed to. It's a sound. I don't like it. I'm allowed to not like it. No one says you have to like it. But you don't have to make it into a problem. It's just a sound. Likewise with sensations in the body. Sometimes we like them. They're soft, warm, fluid, rippling juicy, sweet, lovely ones, we go, mm, that's why I came to meditation. Give me some more bliss. But it's not really what it's about. And if we try and take hold of it, we can't. It's like trying to grasp flowing water. And we easily stop enjoying the experience that we're enjoying because we're trying to figure out how we made it happen in order to make it stay or continue. Oh, it feels really good, this breath. What did I do right? Um, oh, maybe it was because I only had half a banana for breakfast today and my stomach's not so full and I can feel it better. Tomorrow I'll only have a quarter of a breakfast. It's going to be really good. A quarter of a banana. I said, ah, oh, my mind. Ah, oh, actually, can I just feel that the breath right now feels sweet? And I don't have to know why it's so. My belly feels less pressured. I don't have to know why it's so but I can just be here for that and enjoy it if it's enjoyable. But equally, if I notice something uncomfortable, maybe my belly feels tight. It's like, oh, it's not easy. Can I make space for this experience too? Oh, it's not, oh, I really shouldn't have had that third bowl of porridge. I was really enjoying it, but now I'm paying for it. Maybe it's that, maybe it's not. And again, we don't have to make some plan Maybe it's obvious, yeah, if it was three bowls of porridge, that could be an issue here. But we go looking for the cause as a way of avoiding meeting the experience often. And here, just, oh, this is where I am. Maybe we have some understanding of what's going on that led to the situation. That's fine. Maybe we don't. That's fine too. Can I just feel that it's uncomfortable? Can I make some space for that rather than make it a problem? Again, I don't have to like it, but can I make friends with it? It's like we're neighbours with our experience, and more than <laughs> neighbours, but it's a good metaphor. Like, we don't have to like our neighbours, but we kind of want to get on with them, because if we don't, it just gets really unpleasant. 
And so it's like, oh, can I be with these experiences that come to me? Can I make friends with them? And with the body, the tendency to contract or tighten if it's uncomfortable or painful. It can be useful to, to notice that contraction, the tendency to either want to pull away from the experience or for the attention to kind of want to drive into the experience. And often with the subtle sense that if I do that, it'll somehow go away. It's either I want to go away or I want to make it go away. That's aversion. And aversion is in itself unpleasant and painful to us and limiting, constricting. So if we can notice it's happening, we don't need to judge it. We just, ah, oh, that's aversion. Can I let it be? If we're pursuing something, it's useful to let it go. Just let it go. It goes by itself. If we're resisting something, it's useful to let it be. We don't have to do anything. It'll just be by itself. We stop the resisting. That's our work, if we can. Or even just make space to know that we're resisting it. Because sometimes we can't stop resisting. But we can at least feel what it's like when we are resisting. And already there's more space. And sometimes it can be really helpful to employ the out-breath. Just breathing out as if into the area of the body that's uncomfortable. You may feel a pain in the shoulder, you may f which we don't know what it's to do with. You might feel some pressure in the knee or the ankle or the hip, maybe related to the sitting posture. So we have some sense of it and just breathing out. Just to feel, just to sense, just to be in a kindly relationship with the experience, as if the out-breath and the energy of the out-breath, not the literal air, oxygen molecules, but the energetic quality of relaxing and softening can be directed consciously, invited consciously into the area of the body that's contracted or tight or in pain. Or it may be somewhere that's we, we know we have some medical history with and we, we have to maybe make friends with this injury or this vulnerability or this part of our body that just doesn't work very well, functions in a way that's painful for us. And just breathing out as if into and with the area in a kindly way. Not to get rid of it or fix it, but with a, a wish maybe for healing. That's appropriate. Or for release or for softening. That's okay. That's helpful. But not a demand. Not a rejection of what's there. And so the practice encompasses finding skillful ways to meet and hold and handle both what is delightful to us, which we're invited to just experience right now, rather than try and keep hold of, and what is difficult for us, which we're equally invited to experience if we can right now, rather than try and get rid of. And within that, of course, with the body, as I think I mentioned, if, if it feels beyond what we can soften into and relax with, we have permission to make a change in the posture, to straighten out our leg or to stretch out our, our shoulder or our neck for a moment or two, doing it mindfully with sensitivity and care so it's a meditative response rather than a 
sort of a, a reaction to something we don't like. It's more, oh, it needs a bit of care here. Okay, I can offer that. And, you know, the option, the possibility for standing up or for changing the posture, as I said. And at the same time as giving oneself really full permission, if I need to do that, I can. Also taking on the commitment to, and if I don't need to, I'll just see if I can be with this. So the tickles and the itches and the mild irritations that we might easily and habitually react to by trying to scratch the itch, adjust the posture, get it perfect, which we never do. Get it perfect. Do we start to let go of that urge to have it always perfectly comfortable? Because the urge and the tendency to keep adjusting and fixing becomes the thing that's uncomfortable. And there's always something we can find that could do with an upgrade or a shift. So we never come to an end of that process unless we choose to stop right where we are and say, actually, this is okay. This will do. It's good enough. Within the context, as I said, of the permission, if it's not okay, if we really can't be with this, we can make an adjustment. Or if it feels like it's not healthy for the body. And if when you change your posture you find there's a little pain that continues for a few moments, or maybe even a minute or two, it's probably fine. But if it goes on for three, four, five minutes after you've changed the posture, if you're hobbling all the way through the walking period, it's telling you something. It's saying, actually, you should change your posture earlier. You don't have to push it that hard. And so again, we're finding balance between a sense of focusing, steadying the attention with the breathing and the body, but at the same time an inclusivity for allowing what comes to come. Not setting up a sort of a, a sort of a fortress around our experience, trying to keep something out. And equally, finding a balance between that sense of making some gentle effort and practice to stay steady and having permission to, if we really need to, be able to move and adjust. Finding our way between these two without making either of them into absolute values. And also thoughts and feelings that arise, thoughts in form of language and images that come into the mind, emotions in terms of the, in a way, the weather of our heart and our life feelings of brightness and uplift, of heaviness or darkness, all the moods that come, noticing them too. And for now, just noticing particularly what it's like in our body. If there's persistent or sticky patterns of thinking or strong or repetitive emotional waves we encounter, we can just acknowledge that that's what's happening and bring the attention into the body. Notice what it feels like. Oh, it feels like this right now. In this part of my body, I feel it like this. Or in that part of my body, I feel it like that. So again, we're embodying 
We're coming into the bodily field with the experience, rather than creating the idea that the experience stops us from being in the moment, from being present, from being here. And then there are no obstacles, ultimately, in this practice. There are challenges, no doubt, but not obstacles. And this is our journey as we find our way with those challenges. And if that feels like too many options, keep it simple. If we're not sure what to do or how to practice, just come back to the body. Feel your body sitting on the earth and beneath the sky, just as you are right now. Begin to notice and tune into the breathing experience that's taking place within the frame of this soft human body, this organic life expressing itself, just as it does. And that's always here for you to come back to. And so we have this kind of steady, firm, central core orientation to the body sitting and breathing. And yet, in a way, that's the sort of the, the earth and ground, we could say, of our meditative orientation, just as we have the earth of our bottom on the seat and our feet on the ground. And there's the sense of openness to what comes and a willingness to meet and see what's useful here, to learn from this process. That's like the space and the sky around us that invites us to grow and expand into our remarkable and vast potential. And so we practice in this way, one moment at a time, one experience at a time. Being right here, just as you are, again and again, waking up to this. Coming back to this. Learning what it mean, means to make friends with this. And equally to be open to discovering more about this, this human being, this human experience, this moment, right now, right here, just as it is. Just as you are.
in the walking meditation today and really through the whole of the day. There's this invitation and opportunity to find that balance between a, a sort of a, a centered focusing and orienting towards a simple bodily immediacy of in the walking, the body upright, the feet on the ground, taking a step and another step and another step. And that just that simple experience, just as in the sitting, the body sitting, breathing, and the standing, the body standing, feet on the ground, body upright, and the walking, the taking the steps. Using that as an orientation to connect with, to come back to, but at the same time being open to what else arises, to notice the sounds that come and go, and equally the silence from which they emerge and into which they return. Noticing the feelings in the body, the cool of the air on the cheek, or the warmth of the sun if it should show up. Who knows? Noticing what it's like as the arms swing and the way they move. And the way we get slightly off balance and maybe sometimes almost fall over when walking because we've forgotten how to walk consciously. And of course when we first have to do it, when we're really little, we have to pay really careful attention to walking. Then we get to do it, we get used to it, we do it unconsciously, and here we're making it conscious again. So that noticing the, the little experiences going on in so many ways, not discounting or rejecting anything, but nor making anything too significant or special or important, not even the walking or the breathing. It's just we use the experience as a place to connect, and a place from which we can also receive our life. Understanding that if it feels like there's a lot going on, it's really helpful to simplify. And just choose to connect with the simple, immediate bodily experience. Not out of judging or rejecting the other things, but just doing what helps us to be present. And when there's more steadiness, more ground, more focus, and it feels like not so much going on, then really being fully open to what comes, to receiving what's here as it emerges and appears moment after moment. And we may at times shift from one orientation of more the focusing to the more openness and then back at some point according to what's useful, according to what helps us be most fully present. And we can start to consciously bring into this that sense of just kindliness, of allowing, of accepting, of a friendly response to what comes, or just allowing and accepting the fact that right now I'm not having a friendly response to what comes. We can accept and make friends with that too. And becoming curious and interested, not in an intellectual trying to figure it out or think about it way, but just curious to know, so what's going on here? And that curiosity expressed by my willingness to look at it with wide eyes. The eyes of maybe a child encountering a beetle for the first time going, what on earth is that? Rather than, it's a beetle. And it's a, you know, phylum beetleatus and, you know, sort of all our knowledge we might have about beetles. It's more, oh, what's this? Life happening right now. Wow. So these qualities of stability and focus, of kindliness and allowing, 
of curiosity and interest. They weave together the potency of this practice. And not trying to do it all or perfectly, but just seeing what's useful and what's possible. This is the art. What's useful, well actually the other way around, what's possible and then what's useful. And out of that it all flows. So there's a small group meeting now beginning in just uh, two or three minutes in the library. And um, for the rest of you, time for walking practice. And if you haven't yet done a full walking practice, this is a great time to do one. There won't be so many opportunities. And then we'll come back together at 11 o'clock. If those who have a group again could be allowed to leave first. So we can begin quite promptly. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.